Welcome to an all-new episode of Let's Talk About AEW, or as it actually is, Let's Talk All About Elite Wrestling. Nope, that's not right. I get this wrong every week, so this shouldn't be a surprise to people. It's Let's Talk About Everything Wrestling. That makes a little bit more sense, I think, right? My name's Corey Richmond. I'm joined by Harry from the Wrestling Purist Facebook group. And uh, both of us have become pretty big contributors to the iHeart Wrestling Facebook group, which we hope that people from that group and the Wrestling Life and many other groups listen to the show and give feedback and bring up show ideas. But uh, Harry, every week I sit here getting ready to do the show and I go, what are we going to talk about? You know, for the first couple episodes, the structure has been, you know, we do one WWE story, one AEW story. And then, you know, we talk, you know, maybe some fun stuff. And then I try to go and bust your balls a little bit at the end and catch you off guard. But as of today, December 8th, Thursday, we've got a, uh, two two pay-per-views or one premium live event uh, coming up this weekend. So we know we're talking about that. We had an interesting Dynamite. We know we're going to talk about that, you know, with a great promo from Ricky Starks. Phenomenal promo. We had those, you know. There was little talk from good old Dave Meltzer of hypothetically situation of, you know, possibly The Rock, you know, being in the Royal Rumble. And, you know, I thought maybe we'd talk about the who we think might might and should win the Royal Rumble. So, you know, I thought those would be our stories. All of a sudden, though, we knew that we spoke about last week. William Regal was more than likely done. I said, hopefully, maybe he'd be back, you know, time for revolution, part of that storyline. But Tony Khan in his media scrum, or as you call him, TK, went and explained all the details about that. So we're going to talk about that. But then something even bigger came out. And we're going to start with that. We've spoken about in our first couple of shows, uh, a formerly known as Sasha Banks uh, has a name change, uh, moneymaker, and all of these things. But former guest of my first podcast that I did, the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, which if you look, I'm sure you'll be able to find from years ago, PW Insider's Mike Johnson, who was on our show, we always appreciate that he stopped by, has broken the story and hasn't been, other websites haven't said that they've gotten the same information yet, but you know what you say, when there's smoke, there's sometimes fire, that Sasha Banks or Mercedes is going to be at Wrestle Kingdom 17 on January 4th, the biggest night in New Japan Wrestling every year. Usually you have some of your best matches of the year on that show. Even though it's on the fourth day of the year, when we do, you know, a lot of people do the end, end of year lists, matches from that show are usually on there. Now we're going to get into Sasha in a minute, but what makes this interesting is you have your first uh, stardom women's IWGP uh, women's championship match on that show. Kyrie Zane, the former Kyrie Zane, now known as Kyrie, will be having a title defense. But they have another, a second night, I believe like two and a half weeks later. I believe it's on January 21st. So everyone's mind is rushing going, could we see Sasha Banks or Mercedes show up on that show and set up this big match like in three weeks for Kyrie or wh- or if she loses the title against her challenger at that event? And, you know, a couple of weeks back, you saw like, I think uh, – Sasha Banks put up a thing online, like a dream match against Kyrie. We we saw that she was training a couple of months back with um, Juventud Guerrera. To, and, you know, that was very interesting. 
uh, Raj from Wrestle, Wrestle Inc. went and said that she had gotten her release. Uh, she, Sasha Banks was supposedly was offered a something to do at WrestleCade last weekend, but she told uh, told them that she wasn't doing anything wrestling related until after the first of the year. So all these pieces are coming together. And then you had last night, and I know I'm rambling on, but this is what I do because you know I'm good at it. You had at that segment on 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 Dynamite, which we'll talk about more deeper possibly later on the show, of Britt Baker challenging Saray to find a partner for a match a month away. Usually, when Tony Khan you know promotes something that far in advance, there's gonna be some, some sort of surprise. So if you you know one plus one possibly equaling two, depending on you know if you're doing the newfangled math, maybe it's equals to seventeen, but all of these pieces and these puzzle pieces are going together. Can we see the formerly known as Sasha Banks wrestling somewhere else at the start of the year? Sorry, I threw all that stuff out to you, but Sasha Banks could be uh, showing up somewhere not on a WWE banner. What's your thoughts? It's a huge possibility for sure. Wasn't there a uh, another like uh, a picture or like a screenshot taken of? Uh, Naomi uh, with uh, Jade Cargill too. Yeah, they were at the uh, they were at the Atlanta Hawks game uh, a couple of days ago, and I'm sure. I mean, this is something. I'll, I'll let you get to your point, but just quickly, that they always say that you know all that wrestlers aren't going to like each other, and there's real life feuds and all this stuff. Like every year at WrestleMania, there is Wale Mania, which is this big you know party that the the rapper Wale throws. He's a huge wrestling fan. And you'll see all of these wrestlers from different promotions just hanging out, having a good time. So the idea that, you know, wrestlers can't hang out with each other if they're in different promotions is ludicrous. You know, also a rapper, mostly better than, than Bow Wow, but we hope we won't get into him today because he wasn't on the show. But um, Harry, yeah, absolutely. They were at an event together. They took a couple of photos and uh, hey, maybe maybe we see her sometime down the line or maybe they just hung out and realized Two uh, two wrestlers, new promotions hanging out together would give a little buzz. But continue, Harry. Well, that's my point. That I think that's like kind of like a way of swerving us, you know, to not know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, leave us all like you know with like the dangling of the carrot. But it's it's interesting though that so say let's say you know the artist following those Sasha is at Wrestle Kingdom. That means that there's going to be AEW talent there with new japan and then possibly because we don't know what her contract status is wwe talent there too is this like the first awakening of the supers duper unforbidden door like uh it's interesting to uh you know project that whole situation altogether. kind of overwhelming in a way uh i mean i think we've all wanted this for so long right uh, so uh it's uh it's hopeful but i guess we have to wait for it to play out Sure. I mean, you know, you sit there and you you wonder what could be. I mean, is this all a big ruse by Sasha to go when she, you know, when she comes back at the Royal Rumble? And I don't think they would have her win it. Oh, I mean, if she's in it, you would hope maybe they have her win it. I mean, going back a couple of years, you most likely thought maybe AJ, when he debuted, should have won it. But um, a lot of people over the last couple of months said, you know, she's either going to be done with wrestling Going to do Hollywood because apparently, even though apparently, I've never seen it, but apparently, you know, she's 
she's good in the Mandalorian, but she at least I guess the first couple appearances she didn't have a lot of lines. But you know, she seemed like a presence. Apparently, she just finished doing her first first movie. Uh, she just wrapped that up. I mean, a lot of people thought if she was coming back to wrestling, she would come back for the big payday of WWE. Could that still be the end game here? I mean, I don't know who said this. So this is my original idea, but wouldn't it be crazy if you know she doesn't sign anything with anybody and she shows up at Wrestle Kingdom? She shows up for uh, the the show in uh, in LA for AW, and then all of a sudden. On the 29th of January, she shows up for the Royal Rumble. I mean, I don't see that happening. I would think if she shows up for AEW, she's signing a contract. So I'm slightly kidding when I say that. But the ball's in her court. And I think that's a great thing for the wrestlers to be able to determine their own fate. And I think I said this already, but when there is, and I've said this many times, when there's smoke, there's mostly some sort of fire. Mike Johnson is one of the, the one of the best reporters in wrestling. I know that calling them reporters and journalists sometimes upset people, but that's what they do. They try to break stories and find out what's going on. I mean, we just had, you know, in baseball, John Heyman made to look like an idiot with the the arson judge signing by the Giants. So, I mean, anytime a story, someone could be fooled or given misinformation about a story. But like I said, Mike Johnson and PW Insider is a pretty reliable source. So, I mean, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful said he couldn't confirm the story officially yet, but you know, he's looking into see and hopefully I have more details the next day or so. But I do think Sasha Banks or Mercedes would make a huge deal if she wound up going to AEW or or stardom. And I think it's really interesting the, the fact that stardom with New Japan is going to in the in 2023 will be having a bunch of shows in the US. And what they wanted to do was have these shows, one of the major parts of these shows, would be stardom women with this new uh, IWGP women's title being a, a big factor in that. And, you know, when Kyrie won the title, Vorma Kyrie Zane, who was in WWE, thought that was the, the smart, obvious choice. What if, like I said, January 21st, uh, in Japan, the second night of Wrestle Kingdom, Kyrie loses to Sasha or Mercedes. So I'm going to say Sasha quite a bit. I do apologize. But what happens if your star for the U.S. is Sasha Banks for New Japan Pro Wrestling? And New Japan Pro Wrestling has a deep, works, you know, hand in with AEW, so she might be able to work with both. I mean, if you want to make a splash in the USA, as much as we all love Jay White and Hikaleo and all the other people there, Sasha Banks is the face of your North American brand. It's pretty big. It's huge. It's, it's super huge. I mean, I hope it happens. I, I think it'd be wonderful. I, I don't know how the payday would be compared to, you know, WWE compared to, you know, one of New Japan or sign with AEW. But I don't think at this point money motivates her. If money motivates her, she'd be, you know, back at the E already, right? Like, at least, at least in my opinion, she would be. So I think this is more like an artistic, I want to do what I want. I've made good money. She's probably saved money, you know, and now she's going to do what she feels best for her. It uh, It's definitely intriguing, and I'm looking forward to it. I was shocked when I heard the news, but I, I think she can go there. I think that she can she can wrestle, she can hang. I think it all, it's, it's a perfect situation for New Japan if it works out. Let me ask you this, and I know I always throw these things out, and, and I'll even answer this, I mean, because it's hard for me because I already have New Japan World, and I'm going to be, 
sitting there at three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning on New Year on on uh, January fourth. You know that I believe it's a Wednesday this year. I'm going to be sitting there going and watching the show no matter what. I'm just a crazy person. But do you think for you and then the average wrestling fan who do the grapevine hears that Sasha Banks, Mercedes is going to be at New Japan, at, at the uh, Wrestle Kingdom show, or even at the second Wrestle Kingdom show in uh, January 21st. I apologize if I'm screwing up that date. I'll double check that as we go along. Do you think the average fan puts down 9.99 or 999 yen to get New Japan Pro Wrestling to see her? Or is it, okay, she's not in WWE. I'll watch her in The Mandalorian, but I don't, it's, I don't care. Is she, I guess what I'm saying is, is she a needle mover, a star to the average fan? Yes. Yes. She's a needle mover. I mean, is, you know, is, we had this conversation, you know, a few weeks back about, you know, would you buy Fight TV for GCW? You know, and we talked about that, that being, you know, a certain price, right? Well, if you had to choose, sorry, GCW, put that aside and go order New Japan World, you know, or, or Stardom or both. You know, it's it's worth it to if you're going to get your hands on, you know, or be able to watch, you know, her, you know, her perform and have creative control of her character, too. Right. Right. Creative control. Oh, and I just want to make sure I don't want to short thrift uh, the uh, New Japan uh, show, Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Kyrie will be facing Tama Nak- Nakano, who I have, I've, I'll be, to be honest, I have, I've never seen her work. I have seen Kyrie work, you know, as much as they louder before she got hurt in uh, WWE. And I was, NXT, I was a huge fan. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, like I said, if the storyline is that she's showing up, I don't think she's going to show up and wrestle under without any advertised build. I think what they'll most likely do if she does show up, if in, in New Japan style, after the match is over, I'm guessing Kyrie wins. I mean, who knows? Like I said, you want to have somebody with an American name or name value. I think you have Kyrie win, and all of a sudden the music plays. I don't know if they have the rights to boss time or whatever her thing was, or if maybe her her super famous, you know, uh, cousin, some guy named Snoop Dogg or Snoop Lion, or you know, I think you may have heard of him, Snoop. Come, uh, you hear something, a new a new theme, and then she comes down. Challenges are for the shot at the uh, the second night. That's how I was doing. That's how I would book it. And I think that this is who, who the person who this makes the most help for or gives the most help for is Tony Khan and AEW. Because like I brought up a moment ago, you could think it's a throwaway line for just promoting something in the future. But like I said before, AEW when they have a big surprise, they usually deliver. And the idea that you're promoting something a month in advance. Yes, it's a big show in Los Angeles. But January 11th is, a you know, is, like I said, is over a month away. And you have, you know, Soraya saying that she's going to be able to get her own partner. If it's not Sasha Banks, Mercedes, I think that's a huge letdown. And I mean, like WWE, when it came to... Um, Survivor Series a couple of weeks back because everyone being in Boston, everyone thought it was going to be Sasha. They had to go to make sure they didn't disappoint the fans announce the Friday before on SmackDown that Becky Lynch was going to be the partner. And Becky Lynch is the biggest female, not even female. She's one of the top, you know, 10 biggest draws in mostly all of wrestling. 
And you know that they were afraid of a backlash of it not being Sasha. So they had announced in advance. So, I mean, AW better either announce before the show that who's going to be in this match, or they better make sure that just like they did with, so now it gets mentioned every episode by me, CM Punk going to Chicago, they better make sure that they know who this is going to be. Yeah. It also, yeah, it'd be, be best for them as well to be able to, you know, hook, line, sinker people into it. So, yeah, it, it, some type of announcement or some hinting was going to come at some point. Maybe some packages, kind of like the whole lead thing, you know, some type of packages of whoever Soraya's partner is, you know, to, you know, get everyone, you know, to follow along. But, you know, but it's not just going to be like out of nowhere. I'd be shocked. It was just like, out of the blue. Oh, look, it's so-and-so. It's Tony Storm. Great. It's the return of uh, Thunder Rosa. Those are all <laughs> stars, but it's that doesn't, that's not going to cut the mustard, as they would say, if you, if it's an actual surprise and they don't, you don't know who it is beforehand. I, I mean, thought about the, that. the only person I think that, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, uh, only person I think that would, it, that would maybe be a, a, a surprise that the fans wouldn't quote-unquote shit on it's if, if it was like someone like a Trish Stratus, you know, I mean, bringing in, you know, as much as I, as I loved uh, Dina Perrazzo, I think she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. And she was on an episode of Dynamite earlier this year when they had the, uh, the unification for the ROH women's title when she lost title to Mercedes. That's going to be, you know, a, a, I would say for most people, that'd be a huge letdown. I mean, is there a woman athlete out there that is a free agent? That wouldn't be a letdown. I mean, I even think that if it was Naomi or Trinity Fatu, whatever she would be, I guess that's what name would have to be. I just don't know. Is there, I mean, Paige Van Zandt coming back? That's not going to, that's nobody's going to care. I mean, I think it's, you either have to announce it beforehand or it has to be Sasha Banks. Because like I said, I don't know if there's, unless you think of a name, is there a name out there that uh, move, will move the you know proverbial needle that's not going to disappoint people? Well, there is, but she's not available. Who's that? Charlotte Flair. Yeah, as far as I know, she's still got a couple of years left on her deal. But uh, right, right. Well, I'm just that's the only name I can think of that. You know, but again, she's locked up, like you said. So, but that's the only name that would give that type of buzz, comparative to, you know, Sasha. All right. So before we move on to uh, the the William Regal uh, story that we we you know started to talk about last week. Last thing on uh, Mercedes slash Sasha, Sasha slash Mercedes. I'm, I'm sure that uh, someone will make that into a, a thing there. But um, the big story that goes along every single time someone from WWE signs with AEW is we've got too many WWE, WWE people who come in. Is And I think I already asked this question away, and, and I think you've already answered it. But is Sasha an exception to that rule that the anti-AEW fans who say that everyone in the company's WWE is Sasha an exception that people would accept, or do we still get the same, same story of we're just bringing in ex WWE people to the company? Like for people on iHeart wrestling or wrestling, wrestling life, or, or your, or your site, uh, wrestling purist, when that story breaks and if she is the, the mystery opponent or comes in at some point is your average Facebook contributor, are they going to be like, Another WWE cast off is there. I don't, you know, why do they keep on bringing in ex WWE talent? Or are they going to be like, 
Sasha Banks is a difference maker, and this was the smart move to make. What, what does your gut say on that? My gut says it's, it's a, that she's a difference maker and has isolated situations. Like, yes, you know, it's been, you know, reported and or even like, you know, consulted on different, you know, pages that, you know, people are, fans are getting frustrated with the amount of WWE, you know, like you said, you know, personnel being brought in. But Sasha's like way up here. It's totally different scenario. I don't know a locker room that would say no to her. It's, it's, it's almost like bringing in CM Punk before this whole media scrum thing, you know, punk bringing punk back was a big deal, right? It, you know, blew the roof, you know, off in Chicago and we can all, everyone can say what they want about CM Punk. But when he came back, it was a huge pop. There's like, you know, you have your top 10 pops of all time. Punk's on that list. You know, you got the Hardys when they came back to WWE, you know, was that back in 2018? I can't remember exactly when that was. Maybe it was 2017. I can't remember. But, you know, when they showed up on WrestleMania, you know, that, that huge pop. So, you know, and my, my point is that Sasha's right on top of that. Like, she's, I don't know a lot from that wouldn't embrace her. I think, like I said, I don't think it's, yeah, sure. I'm, so, I'm sure sometimes when you bring in all these WWE guys, the locker room gets a little bit annoyed. But I don't even think it's – I think the locker room is one thing, but I think it's the fan base, I guess, is more my thing on the idea of not stealing a spot. But, I mean, you know, I think the biggest ma- – everyone can differ on how much they like her as a performer. But I really think star power-wise, the biggest match you can make in the AEW women's division right now is Sasha Banks versus Jay Cargill. Both of them come across as stars. That You know, the unbeaten champion versus – the you know the best one of the top four or five performers in the, in the industry. I mean, and they both have star power. And you know, as two white guys saying this, it's weird to say this, but it's a huge another huge step for the quote unquote the culture. After you know, you had Bianca versus Sasha at WrestleMania, first time two African American women headlining you know a major show like that. I mean, I think there is. I don't know if there's a bigger match that AEW can do. Britt Baker versus Sasha Banks is nice, but I don't know if it's on that star level, but you know, Sasha is a difference maker and you know, it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks, what information comes out, what doesn't can Tony Khan or new Japan keep this a secret in house long enough that it doesn't screw up the surprise. I mean, you could, I don't know what the numbers are for how that show in Los Angeles doing ticket wise. But if you can get that rumor out there that Sasha's going to be there, I think you could sell quite a few tickets. If you, if you, you know, if you're not drawing well, which AW hasn't been, you know, over the last couple of months. So I'll give you the final word on this, on this conversation. though. If I'm Tony Khan, I do everything I can to make, to make this happen. Uh, I, you know, uh, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I'd love to see it happen. I, I think it'd be great. The other thing I thought of was, you know, uh, Jay just kicked out um, Kira Hogan, and mm-hmm. Kira Hogan's been waiting forever to get like her path, and she can go. It'd be great to pair up her and Sasha down the road. Um, so, I mean, sky's the limit if it happens, um, but I guess we'll have to hold our breath and see. Yeah. So, like I said, we'll continue to look into that as the uh, as time goes along. But our second big news story of the week is the follow up on. Mo- a more concise idea of what is happening with AW and William Regal or Steven Regal or whatever you want to name him. It depending on what, what time period you were a fan of WCW, WWE. 
so going into last week, we found out that, you know, he uh, had turned on the Blackpool Combat Club. Then he was taken out by MJF. We had the whole storyline. And we, and we knew that they were most likely building up to Danielson versus MJF. I mean, we, like, Ricky Stark had a great promo, which we'll talk about in a moment or so. But that looks like is the next big, you know, be the next big feud. And I said, you know what? If he isn't gone, he returns at the pay-per-view. But we found out more clarity at the uh, Ring of Honor scrum or, or media conference call, whatever you want to call it, with Tony Khan, where he discussed a lot of matters. And he started off talking about talking about his own personal uh, family situation where his mother had two uh, two strokes following uh, all of the developments, not not because of the developments at all. That we're not we're not blaming CM Punk for causing somebody to have a stroke. That's not what we're saying here. Especially not me. Uh, Harry maybe, but you know, we'll I'll let Harry defend himself from that erroneous charge. Uh, <laughs> but in the scrum he had mentioned how you know his family situation helped him come to the decision of the fact that William Regal apparently, I guess, in the beginning of September, came to him and said that kind of what we sort of alluded to last week with the idea of the fact that, you know, less travel, being closer to his son, TK, as you call him, Tony Khan, went and decided after thinking about it that he was going to not pick up the option for uh, his contract. So, like, if this was if this was like baseball uh, or, or basketball, you, you have uh, – a player option where the player can go and decide that he wants to continue playing for the team or the team option where the team goes and says, where you're coming back next year, you basically don't have a choice. And basically Tony Khan decided that he wasn't going to pick up the team option in this, uh, this story. And after this, after the first of the year, he'd be free to go and resign with NXT with the caveat though, he could not be on TV for the next year as an on-screen talent. He can go and be a trainer. He can go and help with talent development and everything else, which he's very good at. So unless, you know, uh, something happens and the world changes, a.k.a., you know, Triple H and Sean make him break his promise, he won't be an on-screen character. He won't be back as the GM. We'd have to wait another year for him to officially out loud say the words war games. But uh, but Harry, if, now that we know a little bit more information on this, what's your thoughts on the whole Ty William Regal situation and how I guess AEW handled this. And there is a caveat, which we'll talk about in a minute, but what's, what's your thoughts on all this? I think it shows the character of Tony Khan and that he has a heart and he's a reasonable, you know, man, you know, uh, how do you say no to a guy that's done so much already within a year? Cause he wants to train his kid. I mean, that's the story. So if that's a legit story and there's no hidden agenda, I would have done the same thing. And I think, you know, Regal leaves on good terms. I don't think there's any bad blood. We said this before last week that if, if Regal knew that Vince was going to step down and that trips was going to get, you know, not only his job back at NXT, but run the whole company. We don't Regal probably never came to AEW period. He, um, he but would, I think, would have uh, sat out like Samoa Joe did when he first got the first time he got released. Right, right. I mean, you know, just for the few months or whatever, it's your, until he can get, you know, back together. I mean, people forget that they're they're close friends, him and Trips. Ever since Triple H was in WCW, uh, there, there's a there's a quiz for you. Uh, do you remember uh, Triple H's uh, wrestling name in uh, WCW? Terrorizing. There you go. 
See, you can't, can't trump Corey whatsoever. I'm an idiot. What could I say? I got, I got a lot of time on my hands. Um, I don't remember what I ate for dinner, you know, 20 minutes ago, but I remember uh, like who won the, who won, you know, the King of the Ring from whatever, no, I'm kidding, whatever random year, Billy Gunn. Um, Daddy ass, everything comes around in a circle. But um, I think it's fascinating on how this story came about. And we spoke about last week with Dave Meltzer, you know, knowing parts of the story. And, and even, I guess, Dave Meltzer said that there are two sides to this and this may not be the actual full version of what William Regal feels about this. I mean, if more of that comes out down the line, we'll talk about that as it goes on. I do think that the caveat, what I just said was, David Bixispan, who's a great writer, um, went and asked a basically a follow question, which I'm sure everyone hoped they'd be able to ask in this in the media scrum. Was is this a one time thing, or are you going to make the same same uh, same situation for any uh, anybody who's like a family member, aka Andrade, who's not happy, apparently not happy, married to Charlotte Flair. You have you know at one point very openly. Uh, Alistair Black or Malachi Black uh, went and asked for his release. Things got situated. He was off for a little while. He came back, but he's Malachi Black is married to uh, Vega. So, um, and he said, I, I'm not going to set a precedence that anytime someone has a family situation that I can do this. This was, uh, I'm not saying this is a one time thing. But pe- people aren't going to get out of a deal just because they want to. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, if somebody wants to sit out off of television for a year, maybe he would do that. Like if Andrade said, I'm willing to, you know, be a coach in NXT for, you know, not be on TV and, you know, only wrestle on the indies. or Because that was kind of what when Malachi first uh, had his – it's mean to say it this way, a breakdown. But when he, he had his mental problems and needed some time off, he was able to wrestle on the indies. He wasn't going to WWE or NXT. Right. He figured it out. So I don't see anytime soon, you know, guys getting released because their their significant others work in the other the, the other company on either way. You know, so I mean this is I, an isolated accommodation for sure. Right. So I mean, it's gonna be interesting on how this all plays out. Like apparently, you know. TK, Tony Khan, wasn't wasn't thrilled that Triple H went and on his Twitter. But you could say this was a low blow or a, a bad move by them. But on the day of War Games, he put out a little video of, you know, William Regal yelling out War Games. And that was kind of, for a lot of people, that was kind of the hint that something was going on and how the story kind of, you know, people started to look more into the story. You know, Triple H isn't going to randomly go and promote, even though he's a friend, isn't going to randomly promote another person's product by, you know, showing that the other people even exist. Yes, I know that on WWE TV, they're talking more about outside of WWE things, you know, like bringing up that the Bullet Club existed, Prince Devitt was this or that. So, I mean, they've done little things like that. But the idea of actually promoting another person in another company isn't what they're going to do. You know, I mean... Post Vince, there's a lot of different things going on, but that's like Dave Meltzer even said he had heard like rumblings, but that was kind of the idea when he knew this was more of a story. And like and like I said, and Tony wasn't thrilled the fact about that. And 
I think it's going to be fascinating how AW uses William Regal over the next month. Like we saw on uh, Dynamite this past uh, Wednesday, yesterday, that they did the the, uh, the video trying to f- explain why everything went down. We could agree or disagree how good that was or how successful that video might have been. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use him in stories until is the time is until the end of the year. Cause he said he, uh, Tony Khan said he's with us until the end of the year, until the holidays are over, which I think he was trying to make it sound like right or wrong. And I'm not going to say anything bad about TK. Cause you know, at any point he wants us to show for the company, I'm willing to take a payoff, but um, kidding. I'm already a Mar, So it won't mostly take that much, but <laughs> we're going to, you know, we saw him last night on the quote unquote tape two weeks ago. You know, I think if anything happens to me, this is why I did everything. But I think there's going to be more twists and turns in the story. And I think that's one of the things that's very interesting on him not being on allowed to be on WWE TV for a year. I think that will go and help build the story and the myth of the evil MJF taking out this legend. Because if he all of a sudden showed up on TV, you know, on, let's say, February 4th or 5th or whenever the, uh, the Vengeance Day pay-per-view is for NXT, that makes your company look like, you know, kind of a joke where yeah we had this huge serious injury and then all of a sudden the equivalent of you know ravishing rick rude show which we actually spoke about i don't know if it was on the episode that unfortunately wasn't able to make air but how you know ravishing rick rude showed up on the, on the same night to two different shows and the you know the friday before on ecw so i mean i think it was very smart on the idea of the fact that you're not going to screw up our television and our storylines by having this guy come back as the gm you know 10 minutes later Totally agree. It's a, you know, TK is going out of his way to give him a special accommodation. It's the least, you know, Regal can do is just abide by it and just follow it. If you're going there to train your kid, then worry about training your kid. Right. Your obligations done to stay off TV, to save face and all that, then take whatever job is being offered to you at that point. But you're getting what you wanted. The man gave you what you wanted. So just, you know, keep to your obligation. I think I think he will. I mean, I think he, I think that he would have not signed this deal or whatever the exact how this works, if he if he was going to go and go back on his word. I mean, it is interesting, and I I don't think you had a chance to watch all of NXT this week. That they actually uh, they had Charlie Dempsey, William Regal's real life son, in a match and in a backstage segment. They said, you know, his he's been wrestling since he's since he's four and he, you know, because of his, uh, his wrestling father. So they didn't say his name, but they're starting to slowly maybe put down the idea of William Regal is part of this, you know, part of this legacy for the next generation. So I, I do find that interesting on how some of this will work out. Yeah. I, I can see them dropping small bits over time, which is fine. That, that That's part of it, right? You can a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, thought drops. That, that's all part of part for the course. So before we uh, we move on to our first main subject that we were actually going to talk about before all this news came out, what was so we get so we kind of get this out of the way. What was your thoughts on the black uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, segment in regards to if something happens to me, basically if I die, I give you this message. What do you think of the uh, whole Tony uh, Tony Schiavone throwing to the uh, the message and you know John Moxley basically saying? What are we doing here? You know, I mean, what was your thoughts on uh, on how that was handled? Probably the best it could be. I mean, what else could you do at that point? 
It's just, you kind of just like, you know, throw it out there and see if it sticks. Um, I don't think, you know, Mox was weird that night. He kind of just couldn't really get a vibe from him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like lost in all of it, I guess. So, I mean, he just, even said the whole line, uh, Right after you had the great segments, we'll talk about it. And I know that we keep on saying we're going to talk about it, but we are going to definitely talk about it. The Ricky Stark segments, literally they come back with the pre-take of him saying, you know, this, is all, this isn't all elite talking. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's there to have these kick-ass matches and maybe go on vacation in six to seven, ten years, I guess, at this, this point. I don't know if that vacation is ever going to happen. But, um, maybe you know, maybe he'll wind up uh, going fishing with the – Braun Breaker and Apollo Crews. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you got to see that segment, but it was the first time you ever saw uh, people fishing in order to set up a match. But um, I'd say it's a bad thing, but we'll get into more in a, in a you know as we we talk about those shows. But I'm very interested to see how the Regal stuff plays out. We'll be interested to see how NXT handles Charlie Dempsey over the next year, because I mean you would think that the end game is Charlie Dempsey. Hopefully, if he's as good as everybody thinks he is, and he seems pretty damn good from what I've seen, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of NXT UK. But if you can build this guy up to be a, a top-level guy, and then the reveal comes out, you know, when he can actually show up on camera, and you have them as, as a unit, and maybe him going for a title or something, I think that could all work out. I'm going to be really interested to see the development over the next year of what these companies do with the legacy of William Regal in AEW, and how NXT handles not saying his name but alluding to him coming back you know in 2024 yeah it's gonna be all impressive see how it goes from there all right so first subject of the of the first main subject of the show today we've got dave Meltzer went and said the pipe dream situation is the rock coming in for the royal rumble and winning and setting up the match against Roman Reigns. So I know that you're you're the big you're, you're the big Cody fan. You weren't you weren't thrilled that he decided to go, but now that he's there, you you hope that you know he, he gets his his father's dream and becomes you know champion at some point. Totally get all that. But what's your thoughts on the idea? If you can get The Rock to be at Royal Rumble, is it the right decision for him to win the uh, to win the Rumble? Or is that match big enough on its own versus Rock uh, Roman Reigns that you you don't need that as a subtext to this whole type thing? I read it somewhere and I can't remember where, but there was like a rumor or like just a like a hypothetical situation that uh, Roman wrestles both nights at WrestleMania. So one night he defends one belt against Cody, and then wrestles one night against Rock, and I get, and the picture that was painted, which probably makes the most most sense is that Roman drops at least one belt and drops one to Cody and then beats The Rock to be the true, you know, tribal chief. Mm-hmm. Is At this point, it doesn't hurt The Rock to lose to Roman. Oh, he's I definitely mean, losing to Roman. I mean, that's... Right, right. I mean... Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, The Rock's not coming back to be... I mean, although we did have Austin beat KO last WrestleMania, but different scenario. You know, you can't compare apples and oranges. It's kind of like, I feel this is like The Rock, like, paying it forward. Remember when Hogan passed it to The Rock at WrestleMania? It's, I feel that's that that's the sentiment here. It's The Rock's turn to come back and boost his own cousin. Sure. But, but I, like I said, though, the big, the big question here is, 
if he's available and able to be at the Royal Rumble, do you have him as like number 29 or 30 and win the Rumble? Or do you think that's counterproductive to everyone? I mean, we we kind of mentioned a moment ago, you know, the WWE guys coming in and taking the AW guy's spot, but this is the whole idea of the proven star part-timer, that wonderful term part-timer, taking the uh taking the the moment away from someone else, either like a Seth, a Cody, you know, a Sami Zayn or whatever, who've worked all year long, and then all of a sudden. Someone else wins the, you know, the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's super complicated on all this stuff in regards to what happens if your match, like you said, you might do two nights, but the way things have gone, they try to do one night for everybody, I guess, to stop from possibly injuries. But what's your thoughts there? Do you think that the, if, if The Rock is available, The Rock wins the Rumble? Or do you have someone else win the Rumble? These are the hard, hard, uh, hard hitting questions that I ask at, you know, it is, it is, Thursday. it is for me because of the fact that I'm the person that always says, I hate when talent comes in and buries other talent. I can't stand it. I never have. I, I hate, I still hate that. I don't feel AJ Styles gets the best run that he's supposed to get that Nakamura's you no, know, didn't get the run he should have got. You know, there was, you know, I, I couldn't stand John Cena for years because John Cena buried talent. So, Part of me wants to see The Rock and Roman because we never got to see it. But at the same time, I don't want to take a chance. Or I don't want to take an opportunity away from someone else who's earned it, a la whoever, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, Ke- Kevin Owens, even, you know, say Jey Uso turning on Roman, you know, someone of that winning the Royal Rumble to go face Roman, but they're not going to get it because The Rock comes in at 29. So it's a, I don't have the answer like a split. I mean, like, if I had, if I had to give you like, like what my gut says and like have to give you an answer, WWE is about money. They're about money. And what's going to be more money than having the rock come out at 28 or 29, you know, and uh, you know, bully his way around the ring, do a little, you know, do a people's elbow here and there, give a rock bottom, throw a guy over a rope. And then, have this whole thing between him and Roman. That's that would be the best moneymaker, correct? Most likely, yeah. So I unfortunately I think that could happen. Uh do I want it to happen? I'm on the fence. I would love to see it, but again, with there being so much talent that's waiting in the wings to be able to make that next leap. Mm-hmm. I mean, put it this way, I don't I don't want to see, you know. If it's if it's if it's not going to be one of the guys that they've been you know grooming along all this time, I don't want it to be anyone else but The Rock taking that opportunity. You know, I don't want to you know, God forbid, CM Punk to build when they sign CM Punk and the Punk against Roman. I don't want to see that. Um, you know, I don't want to see John Cena come back and fight Roman. I don't want to see any of that stuff. I'm mad Brock Lesnar has had so many you know fights against Roman like. I'm tired of the part-time wrestler. I, I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, who was it? Brian Danson came out and said he's not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, thrilled or, or, you know, or is not seeking to be a champion. You know, he just wants to wrestle while he can. And then when his contract's up, may do some part-time wrestling. That I can respect. He is willing to wrestle to help build guys, but doesn't necessarily want to be the top guy. I've never liked the top guy who was a part-timer. When I when we were younger, you didn't know better. Hogan wrestled what, like six times a year, maybe less. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't know. 
you know, like you didn't, you didn't know better when we were younger, but us, you know, being, you know, seasoned fans and purists, that's not the way it works anymore. We want to see what you did there. Purist. Gotcha. Wrestling purist. Facebook page. Gotcha. Continue on. No, I'm just saying purist in general. You're a funny guy. The purist in general, like, you know, we are not just an average casual fan. We're, we're purists, you know, maybe not saying we're the greatest purists, but we are the, you know, you know, ongoing fan that watches religiously. We're doing a podcast because we want to. And, you know, we have topics that we want to talk about because, you know, we, we love the sport or, or the industry or, or the art of it. I mean, let, let's be honest here, guys. I'm actually chained to a chair like Black Moan, uh, Black Snake Moan style, and I'm being forced to uh, to do this against my will. I mean, I was I was done after uh, Jason left me on the side of the road to uh, have a fulfilling family life. Um, so I'm just waiting for someone to realize that I'm, I'm chained to the radiator after the show is over. So, I mean, help? No, um, I understand what you're saying. I mean, it is a... It's a weird situation where if the biggest if the biggest star in the world is quote unquote gracing you with his presence, you're gonna go and take the little bit that you get and say, Thank you, sir. May I have another? So I mean right. I totally get what you're saying in that respect. That makes total sense. And like I said, if anybody knows where I am, please help me. I'm I'm ready to go home. Um but let's <laughs> so let's let's so here's an idea. Let's say, let's say we go with some of what your idea is for two nights where we want to protect, let's say we want to protect Roman. We want to re- protect Roman Reigns. Yes. Cause he's, he's the moneymaker. You want to re- protect the rock. So you have Cody or someone else wins the, uh, the Royal rumble, which we'll get to more in a second. Night one, you have a six man tag. You've got the bloodline, or or an, let's say an eight-man tag. You got the bloodline, Roman Reigns, the Usos, and Solo Sokoa versus The Rock, Cody, uh, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens in a big, you know, eight-man tag. Then on the second night, you have Cody, who's won the uh, the Royal Rumble, faces Roman. You've got the Usos versus. Uh, El Generico and Kevin Steen, sorry, old man brain. And you have Solo Kokoa, you know, doing something else. I'm not saying he's facing the rock because that's, it's leaving a little big for him right now. But you have, you know, your two night event, night one, you got the bloodline versus all the guys that they screwed over. And then night two, you've got the world title match. I, I don't think that would happen, but I think that can go and make everyone happy. And then if you want, you could have at SummerSlam if he's available or at WrestleMania 40, the big one. You could actually have the super grudge match, tribal chief versus, you know, the people's champion. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that could be an idea you can go with. That's a better idea than what I had. Usually is. Jerk. Yes. <laughs> but seriously, it's a better idea. Like, I, it, it, I wish I thought of it. It's a great idea because then it, it gives you long term, you know, storytelling on top of it. You right. know, so it, 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 you know, hopefully someone is listening somewhere and, and uh, still is your idea. I, we know that TK's listening right now. He's taking all of our worst ideas, and we'll see him on TV next week. Because uh, when we talk about Dynamite in a few minutes, I'm sure there'll be some terrible ideas. And if they show up, we'll be like, uh-huh. Uh, but so let's let's get into the, the nitty-gritty here. Let's Who do you want to win the Royal Rumble on the men's side? Who do you think's going to win? 
and I'll give my I'll give my picks in a minute as well. So, what what's your thoughts here? Who 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 do you think will win the rumble, and who do you want to win the rumble? Realistically, I think Cody's gonna win it. I really want Seth to win it. Interesting. So the Cody guy wants Seth to win the rumble and get the shot at WrestleMania. That that's interesting. Okay. No, I'm not a Cody guy. I can't. I'm mad at Cody. I'm, I'm mad at Cody for a long time. I'm gonna be mad. You just want me to go off. That's what you want me to do. You're provoking me now. I Cody. I mean, listen, I give Cody credit for wrestling with a torn peck, all that. I just still don't. I, one minute. I just need you. You don't go build a whole. Uh, right, so as uh, Harry goes and starts to rant, it's the time where you guys can go and find my GPS. <laughs> and get me out of this situation so I can go back into retirement. Just remember, it's the first door on the left. At least that's what I think, you know, because I, I am handcuffed and blindfolded. So I don't, I don't even know what Harry looks like. But guys, <laughs> I've been a good guy over the last couple of months. I mean, I do have a Funko Pop addiction, which I'm, I'm willing to work on. But, you know, like I said, you guys find me as Harry uh, takes the stage for a moment. Help! Help! Oh, I'm listening. I don't. I rather see I rather see Seth win it. I think Seth did right by Cody. I think Seth did just as much for Cody as Cody did for himself. Um, you could then change that up and have you know so Seth wins the rumble and then Cody could fight with them to try and you know maybe get the title shot and then eventually gets it you know and go that route. I don't mind Cody getting the belt eventually, um, but you know it still bothers me what he did. Maybe I'll get over it one day, but if you don't start a you know a whole revolution going in another direction to then all of a sudden just give in one day and okay, well I want to go back and do my dream. Like I thought the dream was to have an alternative wrestling and defeat you know the the guy who you know didn't care about your you know art or your craft and made you stardust. Like, but what do I know? All right, guys, you did not find me in time. I'm still doing the show. Um, so my my idea is I would love, and I think it would be the great story. I'm not saying he has to win the title, but I would love for Sami Zayn to to win the uh, the Royal Rumble, and then that would be what sets up the turn. Even though Sami's saying that he'll he'll lie down for them, they don't lie lie down for Roman. They don't trust him, and they they take him out. I think that I would love to see Sami for all the great work he's done. I'd love to see him uh, win it. I think that if The Rock is available, that's the easiest way to get to the match. That's so fair. I, I think that my choice, dream situation, him willing to resign, not go to AEW, has made an angle that a lot of people thought was dead with the bloodline, was sputtering out, and he's basically given new life to this. I'd love to see the payoff. Not him win, because like I said, I just don't think he, right now is the right time for Sammy to be champion. But him getting that opportunity. But I do think that if Cody, from everything you read, Cody is on track to come back at the Rumble. Cody comes in at, you know, like 27 or somewhere in the the in the 20s. So gives him doesn't have him, you know, get hurt possibly again. Or, you know, like I said, so either, either Sammy or Cody. But like I said, if The Rock is available, I think that's the direction they go. It's you know still up in the air. We don't know if The Rock's even going to be re- available for WrestleMania. As much as we hear, you know, little tidbits on like the show Young Rock, where they have the whole idea of, would it be a dream for us to face each other, you know, 
at the biggest stage of them all and, you know, Dwayne or Dewey or whatever he's calling the show saying that's great. I mean, that could be the story that they, they go with. I think that'd be a huge match. But if he's not available, I think Cody, if he's, you know, Cody's the answer. But I'd love to see Sami Zayn get that huge moment. I don't think it's going to happen. That's where we both stand. Um, Good question for you. Do you think Seth ever gets his time back? Do you, do you remember, like, there's still some unsettled business between Seth and Roman, Roman? Or you think that's just all under the bridge now and pushed under the carpet and they never go back to that? No, I, I think they definitely do, especially the idea that you have a wrestling fan, a wrestling purist, as one would say. And if you want to go find out more about that, you know, join the Facebook group, uh, Wrestling Purist, <laughs> on, on Facebook, um, run by some guy named Harry. But I think that under the leadership of Triple H and being a fan of the the old school and everything else, being trained by like the Killer Kowalskis of the world, I think that we may not see that right now, but at some point we will get back to Seth versus Roman. Do I think Seth wins the feud? No. I think Roman still is your big star. And I think that as long as Roman wants to be wrestling at a semi-full-time, which he's not even full-time anymore, but still is has the interest of doing stuff. I would have I would think that Roman wins the feud, but I think they definitely go back to it sometime this year. Maybe, maybe that could be the SummerSlam main event. Maybe that could be you know Survivor Series or Royal Rumble next year. But I definitely do think in 2023 we'll come back to that feud, and hopefully by then you know Seth has had his lobotomy and is no longer wearing all this weird stuff. I mean, that's that's another thing. And we don't have time to talk about that right now. But quickly before we move on, quick thought, because I don't want people to say that we, we're anti-anybody. Do you have any thoughts on who should and will win the uh, the Women's Royal Rumble? I think there's I think there's an obvious choice. There's two obvious choices. So are you going to go with one of them, or are you going to go in a whole different direction to blow my mind? I haven't given, I haven't given like a lot of thought on it, to be honest. So I don't want to just give a random – answer i mean you can, you can you can let us know uh, on uh, as we get closer i mean i think the two obvious choices are rhea ripley and becky lynch i think those are the two obvious choices and maybe an outside chance because because her name is charlotte flair you always have to think that there's something that could be happening there i think those are the those are your three obvious front runners because you know they've been slowly building the idea of bianca versus rhea with little looks and nods and i don't think they're going to – I don't think the Royal Rumble is when you have that match. I think you most likely set up a good chance that uh, with Rhea winning the Royal Rumble, especially with Bianca winning it, them being the last two. So I think that maybe this year she can win it. I think we – I think unless change, uh, things change, I think the rumored Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey singles match and possibly being Ronda Swanson from the company – so I think she signed a two-year deal. I don't know if it was much more than that. Last year, she faced uh, Charlotte. This year, I would expect her to face Becky Lynch and Becky to win the title and get her clean victory, which, you know, she really never got. I think those are the two obvious choices. But, you know, I mean, I can see someone maybe catching fire in the next two months and maybe, you know, setting up something. But I think the thing that's going to be super interesting is, like, if you don't – and I'm going to go back to the men here for a second, but – our initial conversation, if Roman doesn't lose the title before WrestleMania, which I would think he's going to keep the title until WrestleMania, if the storyline is The Rock 
versus uh, the tribal chief in Roman Reigns, and Roman's not and and you know uh, Cody wins the Rumble or something. Is the winner of the Rumble still guaranteed a shot at the title at WrestleMania? Do they set up a thing where all of a sudden your title shots at SummerSlam or something? I think it's going to be fascinating what they do, and you do with that with the men. Don't you have to do that with the women? You still have the elimination chamber. So there's all of these things that could go in a thousand different ways. You know what I mean? Is Roman Reigns going to be in the elimination chamber? I mean, it's especially when you have a part-time guy and you have this huge match with the rock. Do you want a chance of getting hurt? I mean, so there's so many aspects. I do wonder where they go. And when it comes to the women, I think those are your three obvious choices. I mean, your, your big choice, if she doesn't sign, go, going back to the initial idea, Soul Tire show today, if she doesn't go and sign with AEW or New Japan, and PW Insider has the story wrong, Sasha Banks winning the Royal Rumble would be a huge thing. So, I mean, I think you have options, but I do think you have two obvious ones. Obviously, yeah, Sasha is the one that's the plug and play if it, that comes to that to fruition. I can definitely see Rhea. You're right about that. I mean, Rhea's definitely hot. I mean, she's what makes Judgment Day run, you know, the way it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's the straw that stirs, you know, stirs the drink. So, yeah. So I have no problem with, uh, you know, with Rhea being there. I got no problem with Becky either. Uh, the other one I thought of was Bailey. I always feel Bailey gets the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. I feel she's very talented. But well, uh, we could definitely but yeah. get into that. But we'll, we'll talk about Bailey's push or lack of a push and damage crow in the weeks to come. Because let's hopefully maybe they they actually figure this out as we get closer to a mania season. Um, so we 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 spoke about our WWE uh bracket, or we want to say for this. Uh, let's get a couple of quick thoughts about Dynamite as we are you know as we usually do go super long on these shows because we've got so much to say and uh, Harry's super passionate about being you know a wrestling purist. Join the Facebook group. Um, <laughs> so let's 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 talk about uh, we could we could you know the, the battle royal was fine you know whatever the right guy most likely won in Ricky Starks but let's get into it Ricky Starks Maxwell Jacob Friedman the I'm going to throw you into the lake uh, the pebble that you are your fake tan your brown nose give me your thoughts was this the greatest moment in Ricky Starks' career and does this make you want to not you know, end the MJF experiment two weeks in because Ricky was so good. I mean, I'm throwing all this at you, but the basic idea is what you think of the promo segment and how incredible is Ricky Starks? Well, let's it's not going to end, it shouldn't end MJF's run in two weeks. <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, I, I'm a Ricky Starks guy. I mean, I, I was thrilled. All this did was make he arrived, this was his career changing promo, and he knocked it out the park. I mean. The fastball came down, and you know that that ball still hasn't landed yet. It was phenomenal promo by both sides, and it made MJF basically just made Tony, you know, uh, uh, Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks, um, you know, a legit, you know, contender now. Even if in two weeks or a week, whatever the is, it a week away or two weeks. Uh, winter That's is a, coming is next week. Next week, um, you know, even if Ricky loses, it still makes him a ongoing contender. He's now up on that level, that par. I don't think any of us, you know, I'd be shocked if, if MJF loses the belt to Ricky next week, it would be, you know, cause you just put all this, you just put all this energy and time into building up MJF. 
but I mean, I guess we could be surprised and pull the fast one, but the promo itself definitely solidified that MJF is the, you know, is the heel and you got your baby face now and your up and coming baby face and possibly a new pillar, you know, that's going to take, you know, take AEW into the next couple of years. Um, Ricky killed it, man. I was so proud of my boy. What was your, what was your thoughts on the uh, little jab at our everyone's favorite promotion that's on uh, on YouTube, aka you know the, the the house that Tyrus built? Apparently, I'm still shocked by that. I don't know how there's not a lawsuit somewhere, unless unless you know TK got on the phone with Billy and said, "Listen, I'm going to use this is going to be used in a promo somewhere. Do you mind the exposure?" That's uh, what they could think of. That's what they could think of is here. You know, here's some exposure for you. We're gonna we're going to mention that NWA is on YouTube, uh, you know, on Tuesday nights or, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I guess, you know, Billy is not going to try to go after TK because TK has got more money, but I was just shocked by it. Uh, you know, it's a nice little jab, but there has to be some type of permission or something. And if not, then kudos to MJF for, for going off course. Hey, I mean, like I said, I thought it was a phenomenal promo. This isn't my original. I believe Dave Meltzer said this last night on their uh, uh, their weekly show on their you know their review show with Brian Alvarez. Once again, former guest on the Workshop Wrestling Podcast. Go back and check out that interview. But um, it's a little weird that you do this promo and you make um, Ricky Starks feel like this huge deal, and then the next week he's going to take a pin. If you wanted to do this, you almost would have been smart and you never know how good this promo segment's going to wind up but it almost feels like it would have been smarter if this promo happened maybe like two weeks earlier so and then all of a sudden it would be this build because i think as much as a lot of people like ricky starks and it's partly because of the fact you just put the title on mjf mjf just had the big moment of taking out william regal but the idea that he does this big impassioned promo and then a week later, he's going to go and lose either by by cheating, most likely by cheating, because it is uh, MJF. But you know, you know what I'm saying here? The, the idea of the fact that maybe you should have done this promo maybe last week or two weeks ago, maybe, you know, right after he would have right after he won the eliminator tournament to become the number one contender. You have MJF come out and you and you have this promo segment. You know, I know that everything is fast tracked because of what have to rewrite things with the Regal exit, which uh, I know they knew about mostly a little bit beforehand, but I almost feel like you do this and then he's going to lose the next week. And, you know, yes, he wound up winning the blow off match of the um, uh, what's it called uh, lights out at grand slam versus Hobbs. But the guy just lost, you know, at your last pay-per-view um, he lost it all out to Hobbs in a match, which, wasn't a squash, but it was kind of a squash. Then all of a sudden, he wins this eliminated tournament, and then he's going to lose basically two weeks later. It almost feels like you should have. I know that Winter's Cupping is a big show, and you want to give the spotlight, but maybe you should have started the build for this a week earlier so you can go and be like, Ricky really has a chance, you know? Yeah, no, I see that. They definitely, I think it's still a learning curve with TK and, you know, the AW, you know, creative process. Let me ask you a question though. And I'm, and you know, as much as I'm, how much I love Tony Khan, 
I have his name tattooed on my shoulder. I'm kidding. Um, but how, how long can we say there's a learning curve? Yes, the company's only been around for three and a half, almost four years. But at what point do we start to say, and like I said, I think that Tony Khan does more right than he does wrong. I'm not one of these people who thinks that Tony Khan's over his head and he's some money mark and all this other BS that people say. But when do we start to say, you've been doing this for this amount of time, rookie mistakes aren't acceptable anymore? And maybe it's not that point. But like I said, every time that we don't like what Tony does, the AW fans, quote unquote, sometimes apologists. And Harry, I'm not trying to say you're an AW apologist. I mean, you've got me, you know, tied to a to a desk, which is really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> please, please check out, you know, the Wrestling Purist Facebook group. Maybe that will get me some time off from this sentence. But um, what are you, what are your thoughts here? Do you is there a point where we stop saying that he's a rookie and he, you know, he's a it's only been three years? Or am I overstating the idea of the fact that we're basically saying, you know, to the puppy, I know that you made on the floor, but you're, you, you'll you learn how to go and do better. I mean. I see what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. If it's me, five-year curve. So he's got another two years, a.k.a. he's like the Mets. They have to win in five years or there's going to be problems. Well, and the, and, and the leash would be shorter if he didn't take on a whole other company on top of it. He took on ROH. Oh, we'll be talking about that in a few moments. Right, right. But, but let's be honest. Though. He took on a whole other company. took on a whole other talent base. whole other you know, creative. And we don't know what help he has doing that, you know, necessarily. And, you know, I mean, we know, we know, we know Jarrett's doing the live, you know, event scheduling. And then I think Sanjay Dutt's helping him with other stuff. And then it was Christopher Daniels helping with the, uh, you know, uh, the talent relations. And now relationship. Yeah, and now Tony Schiavone's helping, but the creative aspect's all on 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 TK, and he's not he he needs some help in that department. So I'm not saying it's a pass. I'm saying he gets a little bit of a window. Five years. I understand. It's all Cody's fault. I got you. Understood. You're an asshole. <laughs> I mean, five years. I feel is fair, especially with the acquisition of Ring of Honor. I feel it's totally fair. It's double the work double the amount of employees, you know, everything double. And now he's trying to, you know, you know, launch Ring of Honor to have its own, you know, TV show or, or, or some type of, uh, you know, streaming service through HBO Max. That, that's the rumors. Um, you know, there's a pay-per-view coming up this weekend. We're going to get to in a second. Mm-hmm. So five years is fair. Okay. I respect that. Um, so we the main event of the show, another great main event. People are not gonna. And I know you got the uh, cornets of the world who don't like the flippy, uh, flippy, sh- the flippy shit, as they would say. But I thought we had another great main event this week in um, FTR versus the uh, the acclaim because you know everyone loves the acclaim, especially on Wednesdays. Um, what was your thoughts on the match, and were you surprised? We'll get to the ending. We'll get to the the announcement at the end, which I had a little bit of a problem with. But what was your thoughts on the match and the idea that they were they were both baby faces pretty much at the whole time match and you got a clean finish? I had mentioned on a on a Facebook site that I was talking. I think it was iHeart Wrestling that the way it finished was most probable to make the the losing team still look strong. It was a clean finish, but it was like you know your typical schoolboy or. You know, a little roll up. It wasn't like they hit their finisher and won. Uh, so that 
So that I feel was, uh, it was better, better storytelling. It didn't make one team look worse than the other. I didn't think they're going to, you know, take the belts off, you know, uh, the acclaimed at that moment. They're just still too hot, you know, but I don't mind the baby face part. And for some reason I'm having a brain fart. I don't remember the announcement. The Oh, no, I do do remember now. Oh, I was that in a moment. Uh, yeah, I, I was thrown off by that, but we'll, we'll get that in a second. I think you mentioned it once to me on a podcast before that eventually maybe FTR changes and goes heel. Didn't we talk about it? We remember about how the having the acclaimed and having FTR both be baby faces. Um, and then eventually one's got to go, one's eventually got to go heel if they're both going to stay in the company. Uh, I, I believe we talked about it at some point in the previous uh, podcast, but. Um, one would think at some point there's going to be a way of, you know, a dirty finish. And actually, you saw signs of it. Didn't didn't Dax grab the uh, – didn't Dax grab – was it Anthony Bowen's uh, trunks? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I thought that was going to start there. You know, I thought that was going to be the, the, the heel turn there. And then it just looked like it was just more of a desperation move than it was anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at some point someone's got to go – someone's got to turn heel on the other. It's a very good possibility. I mean, I, I said I love the main event. I thought it was once again, and we might, if depending on time, we'll get into that, get a final subject about the best tag team of the year. But PWI, you know, often does things I don't agree with. But um, I thought that once again, you yes, they're working with one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world, in FTR. But once again, the acclaim went and stood on their own. A lot of people we're saying, you know, earlier this summer that the only reason why they claim we're good is because they were in with Swerve in our glory and, you know, that they, you know, Max isn't that good, which, you know, Max is the weaker link of the two in the, in this, uh, in the group, but, you know, they showed move for move with FTR that they are just maybe not as good, but they're on that level and they deserve to, you know, the respect that they get, not just for being, you know, a catchphrase, you know, scissor me daddy ass. They, are actually a quality team and they deserve to go and have the spot they're in, you know? So, I mean, I was super proud of uh, all four guys. I mean, I mean, who cares if they, if I was proud of them, but I was super impressed by it, but let, let me get to what I did not like. I have no problem with how they went and uh, set up the, um, the ass boys or the gun club, whatever you want to call them on the podcast, doing the whole entire Christmas thing and saying in the stocking, you're going to be facing them boys in a in a uh, chain match, Barb, uh, I think that's awesome. But this is the one of the hugest problems I have with uh, Tony Khan, and I understand because of things that were said in the past, homophobic things that have been apologized for, and I understand that Warner Media will not let the uh, the Briscoes on their show because of, you know, standards, even though they've allowed other people who've had, you know, problems, <laughs> Jay Lethal, um, go on their show weekly. But the idea on three days notice, you're going to have, which on paper, and more than on paper, because they actually would, the two best tag team matches, and if we do a, like, end of the year, best matches of the year, Briscoes versus FTR was the best match I think I saw all year. I mean, Okada versus Osprey at the uh, the finals of the G1 was spectacular, and maybe I almost look at it as a, the series together as one you know one whole match. 
But FTR versus the Briscoes, those two matches in ROH they had this year are two of the best wrestling matches you're going to see all year. Agreed. And then all of a sudden, once again, Tony Khan having four hundred things on his plate, and I understand that a lot of things change two times when it comes to FTR. He even said it in the media scrum for ROH that a lot of the plans for FTR, they've been screwed because of other things outside of their power. CM Punk getting injured the first time. They were supposed to do a a run as a as a three-man trios group. They, he gets hurt, so that has to get shelved. The pinnacle, you know, splitting up and all these different things, other stories got, you know, put to the side. So FTR, you know, I know people bitch and moan that they, and I and Harry, I think you may have even said this is not a personal attack by your church, the fact that you feel FTR is underutilized in the company. Totally understand that. But if you're building to what was the two best matches this year, and I understand you can't have them on your programming because of what uh, I believe Jay Briscoe had said a few years back and has apologized and apparently has changed some of his, his thoughts and feelings over the years. You can't have them on the show. You can't with the last three on your last show before the, for the pay-per-view. I know you have rampage, but the last show you have with a minute left in your program, you can't go and say Dem boys versus FTR in a chain match and say, Hey guys, Buy my show. Am I buying the show? And we'll discuss this in a couple of seconds. Am I buying the show? Yeah, because I thought the whole entire card was cool and I'm a huge fan of wrestling and I buy almost every, everything I can afford. But the idea of what very well could be the main event of the show, because of how good the last two matches, and I think you may start the show hot with you know your world title match of Jericho versus uh, Claudio, you can't on three days notice go and tell me that the best two best tag team matches of the year you're going to have the, the third match in the trilogy just thrown out there in the last minute. It makes it makes everything look like shit. I try not to curse on this because, you know, I try to be better than I was in the past. But, Harry, you might disagree with me. And if you don't, I totally understand because, I'm as you've said in the past, I'm always right. How do you go and do this on three days' notice on a, just a throwaway, last-second thing of the ass boys who, you know, aren't exactly thought of as the greatest thing since sliced bread – Announce that this is your match, and the average person may not even know who the, who the damn you know Briscoes are. How do you do that? If TK did it just by on his own behalf, it's sloppy, and I and I agree with you. And I don't know how he does it. If it was a Warner thing where he had to get approval or something to be able to say the Briscoes' name on, you know, AEW, and then finally was able to get it, you know, get permission to say so then he gets a pass from me. Um, but that have to be explained. And that would have to, would have to be some type of, uh, I don't know about paper trail, but some type of a trail of, you know, what transpired that you had to bring it up three days. Because uh, I was just as confused as, you know, or not as confused, but or like kind of irritated. Uh, because there's been other controversial wrestlers mm -hmm. besides Jay Lethal. Um that are still in the industry doing, you know, whatever. I mean, I, as much as we all, I'm, unfortunately, we're not going to have a chance to talk about it. It was an amazing match. And it was the best match Samoa Joe has had since he's come back to full-time wrestling. Darby Allen, maybe the, maybe the accusations aren't true, but Darby Allen hasn't come across as an angel and he's on TV. I'm not saying Darby Allen should be fired for anything of that sort. That's not what I'm saying here. 
But I understand what Jay Briscoe said. And if you want to go and look it up, you know, I'm sure if you put Jay Briscoe and, you know, controversial statements, it pops up. Come up pretty, pretty fast. And, you know, it's not our place right now to, you know, talk about all these things. I mean, we can, but for right now, we're not going to mention this. But I even at the press conference and the media scrum earlier in the day, which if you have time, you know, people should check it out because I think all these press conferences, for the most part nowadays, some is storyline based to promote things. But this is when TK, Tony Khan, is at his quote unquote realist. I mean, he's not swerved the realist, but he's he's at his realist moments and he talks and he respects, I think, the the media wrestling and non-wrestling media. And he gives like truthful answers. And, you know, he said at the another ones at the first that, you know, the Briscoes were signed to ROH. So we knew that they would be used. But the idea, the fact that, like I said, you know, I'm, we we could talk about the, the rating or whatever. We, not going to do it right now, but we know that Spectrum, people who have uh, cable for Spectrum, you know, had a major problem. That might be one of the reasons why the number was 840K this week for viewers for, for Dynamite. But the idea, the fact that, like I said, you've got one minute left. And let's say you don't, you're not like me, where you go and you put an extra five minutes on all of your wrestling programs in case there's an overrun. You might have not even seen the announcement. You know, and this and there's a possibility that this might be the main event of the show. And once again, I am super pumped for this match. Amazingly pumped. I love the idea of this double double dog collar match. I think it's going to be bloody, bloody, bloody mess. And it's going to be amazing. Two of the top four or five tag teams of the last 15 years are going to be wrestling for the third time this year. And it's going to be another great match. But the idea, the fact, and I know a broken record, the idea that with basically a minute left in your program, you tell us that this match is happening. It's just, what are you doing? Yeah, and, no. like I said, at the, and then at the media scrum, he said, somebody asked, you know, what is our, and this is how this whole entire uh, FTR conversation came up with the, how they were used and everything else. He said, somebody asked him, what will their match be at the pay-per-view? And he said, tune in at, um, on Dynamite tonight and you'll find out who their opponents are. Which is great marketing for the people who are like me, who are going to listen to the person and be like, okay, I got a reason to check in, even though I'm going to check in anyway. I'm going to get the announcement of the best tag team in the world, what match they're going to have and defending their title for the fourth time or whatever it is since they've won them. Great, but I'm going to get away from the subject. I know. I just think it's, unless you're telling me that the Briscoes, you didn't know for sure that they would be available to work the show, or if another match, you know, fell through, I mean, some people had the idea that maybe the kingdom would get the ROH title shot because they had, you know, made comments on TV wanting the shot. Maybe that was the match. And you found out that, you know, they're going to be in Mexico and they wouldn't be able to make it back for the show. Cause I think they're in there on Friday. Maybe that was the tournament. And maybe you had Briscoe's versus someone else. You had two other matches you could have set up. I don't know. But the idea, the fact that the biggest, I personally think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get off this subject right now. I personally think that is by far the best match on this show. We're gonna get into some of the matches in a minute, but the idea of FTR versus the Briscoes three is amazing. But it's just the way they did it just it irks me. I can't stick up for them. I I don't have. Is don't, it, I, is I, it growing pains by Tony Khan? Just kidding. Uh, no, this is not this is not a growing pains moment. This yeah. is a this is a Tony Khan all over the place moment. This is 
he, you know, he's always all over the place. That's, I, I don't think the man follows an agenda necessarily. I mean, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but this is a bad move. Do you only, the only excuse that could be rendered is what you said. Like maybe he didn't think he'd get the Briscoes on there or there was another fallout for another match. And this was the safe play to come back to. Or maybe in his mind, he felt this would be brilliant to throw it at us last minute. No, you wanted a better buildup than that. Yes, we have history there, and that's great. But, you know, FTR deserves better. Briscoes deserve better. They deserve to build a, you know, have a Twitter war against each other if they wanted one or some type of a buildup to this, you know, monumental match. So I agree with you. Totally agree. All right. So we did our two big topics, talked about the Royal Rumble. We talked about Dynamite this week. Once again, Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen was amazing for what it was. I think Darby definitely has a death wish. It's not just part of his gimmick. That was, I think that's the best match that Samoa Joe has had. And if he could face Darby every week, he would think that this was our, the original ROH Samoa Joe. Maybe a little bit heavier, which we all are years later. But that was an incredible performance by Joe and, um, and Darby. And I'd love to see that again 400 more times. But this isn't the WWE, so we won't see it every week. Um, I'm not going to let you make an opinion on that because we've got to move on. But um, all right, so we've got two pay-per-views this weekend. We've got the deadline pay-per-view for NXT. And we've got ROH Final Battle. Both shows on Saturday. East, and we're going to talk, we're talking East Coast time. We've got the zero hour starting at three o'clock, which we don't know any of the matches on that yet, but I'm sure there'll be a couple. Maybe hope maybe we get Bandito or some other former uh uh Ring of Honor talents, which would be cool. But so three o'clock, we've got on um, this Saturday, December 10th, we've got the zero hour followed at four o'clock by the pay-per-view. And then I think at eight o'clock. Same night, we've got NXT deadline. I'm pretty sure we're both going to agree that we're a little bit more interested in the Ring of Honor show because, you know, it's got the match that we have been told about, you know, with three days notice. Sorry, cheap shot there. So uh, which one would you like to talk about first? Would you like to talk about NXT deadline or would you like to talk about Ring of Honor? I will apologize ahead of time. I don't know much about the NXT deadline. Um, I was unprepared for that, so I apologize. Uh, I I haven't been following as much NXT as I probably should have. Not a problem. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple of quick thoughts. Uh, so let's, get, do, right. let's do that first. And we'll talk. Uh, so deadline is happening on Saturday. It's right now. There's five matches on the card. Uh, you got Alba Fire versus Issa Dawn, which should be a, a good match. I think this match is happening a little bit too fast. We've got the surprise match we found out about pretty deadly. Your uh, NXT uh, world champ, tag team champions. Basically, right. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods. Oh, uh, I, think, I think that you most. I would think that you have the New Day win, and then most likely give up the titles a short time later, trying to get a little extra pump for it. I mean, everything this week, ratings wise, was down. I mean, NXT was for the first time in a long time actually wasn't there. Usually, like seven hundred thousand, they were actually in the five forty range. I think it's most likely because of the Georgia election results, and that that may be. Got into that a little bit. Um, I think that you, I think you, I think the New Day win. I don't think it's time to give uh, Pretty Deadly the rub. I think in the long run, 
they'll get the rub off of this. Um, I think this match was put on because of the fact that Indoshir, who was supposed to face, they were supposed to face the Creed brothers initially. Apparently, there was an injury to one of the guys in Indoshir. So that's been pushed back for a couple of weeks. I, I think this should be a good match. Um, you've got two scramble matches, which the concept is most pins in 25 minutes. Uh, the men's is Carmelo Hayes, J.D. McDonough, Grayson Waller, Joe Gacy, and Axiom, the former eight kid. If it was my, if I was booking, I would have uh, Carmelo Hayes win this scramble. I expect, I expect it to be a good match. I'm very much interested to see if they go and put the rocket on Hayes, which everyone in the company apparently loves. So that's my choice. Uh, the women's is Zoe Stark, Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, Kira, uh, Kira James, and Indy Hartwell. I have a funny suspicion that Indy Hartwell is going to win this match due to the fact that what they did on the show with her confronting Mandy Rose after the fact, if it was me, of course, I'm always the guy who loves the in-ring more than some of the out, you know, the outside of the ring stuff. I would have Roxanne win and Roxanne beat Mandy Rose in at Vengeance Day, most likely in February. And, you know, and then you get Mandy to go back up to the main roster. But uh, so those are your your undercard. Your main event is Braun Breaker, the son of Rick Steiner. Right. Versus Apollo Crews, who was used to be in NXT, got moved up to the main roster. Did a little bit here and there, but now he's back down to try to go and refresh his career. All kidding aside of the segment this past week when they went fishing. I think this should be a very entertaining match. If Braun Breaker is going to go and be in the, the Royal Rumble or even maybe win it or the Rockets, you have, you know, Apollo Crews win, but I would think Braun wins this. Apollo looks really good. And you set up Braun versus Carmelo Hayes. You're, you're on paper, your two biggest male stars in the company right now for NXT. I don't know if we get any surprises on, you know, um, on Saturday, because usually at, you know, some of these NXT shows, shows we usually got surprises of new people coming possibly, but I think this is a smart move. Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes at at Vengeance Day in February with Carmelo finally getting the big win. Carmelo being your new face of the company for as long as he's going to be there and Braun going up to the main roster. I think it's going to be a fun show. Do I think it's a Kim? Is, is, do I think it's a show that you need to go out of your way and watch on Saturday night instead of, you know, hanging out with your family? No. But I do think it should be a good show that if you get time to watch Peacock, you try to check it out. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, I was at a you know a, a, a meet and greet Tuesday, so I, I that's why I didn't get to watch NXT at all. So I'm sorry about that. Just because you met up with Tony Khan and was telling him how much the you know he should listen to the podcast, you don't have to throw it in my face. I mean, I understand you're a big successful member of the wrestling community. I'm I'm just a low guy on the tone pole. I understand. Um, yeah, I, yeah, Tony Constance Nuji Bucci's. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I like the reference. Um, so like I said, that's our sh that's the show. I think it should be a good show. On paper, I don't think it's the best show they've ever put on, but I think it will be interesting to see what New Day and Pretty Deadly do. And also, like I said, I'm going to be interested to see what they do in the men's scramble match with Carmelo and J.D. McDonough and some of the other guys in that match, how they all work together. You know, so because especially, you know, as much as we like Carmelo and these other guys, 
besides, you know, J.D. McDonough, a lot of these guys haven't wrestled for a super long time. So, I mean, right, right. Interesting on the big stage. Yes, a lot of these guys have been in some of these NXT, you know, ladder matches. But I think, you know, falling onto objects and stuff like that, yes, it hurts your body a lot more. But I think you have a lot more wiggle room than actually having to put on a 25-minute match with five, you know, with four other guys. But we'll definitely check it out, and we'll get back to you next week, you know, with folks. Quick thoughts on what we thought of the show. Um, so I put this up on the um, iHeart Wrestling uh, Facebook group. Unfortunately, I thought I would plug, you know, your group all day on the show, hoping to get, you know, off of some good behavior. Maybe you'd loosen the chains a little bit. Um, so I didn't put it on the Wrestling Purist. But I did ask, is the ROH show worth $40? Because on Bleacher, um, Bleacher Report, that's how much the show is. I don't know how much it is on regular uh, cable, which I don't know how many people are actually buying shows on regular pay-per-view anymore. A lot more for uh, AEW than, you know, WWE slash NXT. But uh, we'll go over some of the card. But your initial thoughts, is this show worth $40? I know that we're – I know where the AEW marks of AEW marks, a.k.a. Tony Khan is, you know, is invited to your next wedding. Um, but is this card worth $40? I was a Ring of Honor mark before I was AEW mark, so I'd probably buy it, uh, you know, regardless. But I don't see why it's not worth 40 bucks. Well, I mean, if you're, like I said, everything is expensive out there. And, you know, you, if you, if you were going to say I'm buying this show or I'm buying, you know, a couple of months of new Japan world or Peacock or whatever, like AW shows are 60 bucks. ROH shows are $40. We're going to, we're going to see the show because, you know, we have to talk about it and we both love wrestling, but like on paper, let's, let's go over, let's go over this show somewhat and you tell me when when we're done talking about if you think the show's worth 40 bucks okay okay all right so we've got the uh, roh six-man title match all right that's that that's fine dalton castle and the boys versus the embassy which is um bishop khan and brian cage i think that this one could go either way uh dalton is signed to an a uh, to an not an aw to an roh contract as far as i know so i mean I don't know if they lose the titles, but I think you put it on Brian Cage in the embassy. Um, if you have any comments on these matches, let me know. Uh, tag team match, which is a little weird. Swerve in their glory, the guys who apparently don't get along anymore, but they're back together again versus Shane Taylor promotions. I'm super excited for this match. I love Shane Taylor. I don't know how much of the original ROH you had a chance to watch with Shane Taylor, but Shane Taylor, I know the moniker is, you know, the best uh, TV ch- ROH TV champion they've ever had. But the way that he reforged his body and made, and with the stable and everything he, he did, I'm shocked that it took this long for Shane Taylor to wind up in AEW slash ROH. What's your, your thoughts on this match, if you have any? I'm excited to watch it, too. I think it's great. Uh, you know, uh, I want to see the fallout of what's going to happen uh, between uh, Swerve and uh, Keith Lee. Um, I can see Shane Taylor, you know, his team, you know, pulling out the win here. I don't think I, I think that's kind of why they've put they've put these guys together is to kind of build the pressure to break up Swerving Our Glory. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, and in the R and, and in the uh, the media scrum, Tony Khan said that uh, Keith Lee actually brought up the idea of bringing in Shane Taylor. So I mean, 
it's gonna be interesting to see how some of this, I mean, I just wish, and I know that I'm gonna, and you know, I love our, I love, you know, I love ROH, aka anything that Tony Khan does. If you ask some of my friends, you think that I was in love with Tony Khan and the elite and everything else, but that's another subject for another day. But um, just saying that Shane Taylor had a past relationship with Keith Lee and that he's turned on everybody. I don't think that's enough. I mean, I don't know if there is even like a ring of honor go home show. I, I doubt it's on, you know, TNT or TBS after a rampage on, uh, on Friday. And if there is, I apologize, but you got to do a little bit more than just say passing. I mean, I need to see some sort of like highlight package of the, of the pretty boy killers, you know, splitting up six years ago, you know, not just a throwaway line. Um, RH women's world title match. I think this is one of the gimmies on the show. Athena has been great as a heel. I think what she's been doing since, uh, since the turn has been great. Mercedes was a good champion. I know she defended the title a couple of times before she got hurt on dark. And she also beat Serena Deebs and everything. But I think this is the most obvious one on the show. Athena is going to be your new uh, ROH women's champion. And I think she deserves that moment in the spotlight. I agree. I'd be shocked if she wasn't. Uh, that, that is the, definitely the gimme of the, of the whole card. And I hope, and I hope there isn't the backlash if we said before, if another, another WWE cast off, you know, winning a title and you know this or that um ring of honor world television title match i'm going to say the same thing i said again the broken record i know we got a promo from juice robinson on on rampage and maybe we'll get something again on this rampage that, that they taped yesterday but joe versus juice robinson is a cold match i know that juice robinson is really good and joe looked like a thousand percent better than i've seen him Joe has had two two great matches in his in his Ring of Honor slash AW uh, tenure so far. When he won the title against Minoru Suzuki and the match against Darby Allen this past weekend, I think you want to keep the idea of of uh, the t- television uh, TV's greatest champion or whatever the television's greatest champion moniker that he's doing right now. I would have him keep the title. What's your thoughts? Yeah, he has to keep the title. I think it's just a filler, just a filler way to you know to, to uh, defend the title. Nothing against Juice Robinson. I love Juice Robinson, but um, does the common fan or the casual fan know who Juice Robinson is? I like, mean, he, know- he was he was on uh, he was on Dynamite earlier this year in a match against John Moxie, which I thought was solid, not great. So I mean, right, yeah. but that's once. But that that's once. I mean, you know, unless they follow the elite, you know, or being the elite or follow New Japan. You know, they didn't. They don't know who Juice Robinson is. You know what I mean? So, um, better, uh, pushing him up. I totally agree. Uh, ROH pure title match, which could steal the show. Uh, De- Daniel Garcia coming in as champion versus Wheeler Utah. I'm a little surprised this was the direction they went. I thought that this was from when they first started the firm. I thought that um, they were going to be going in another direction, but we with Lee Moriarty. But uh, you got Daniel Garcia versus Real Yuta, who had a great match at the last ROH pay-per-view. I believe that was Death Before Dishonor. I expect this to be another good match. I wish that, and I know this is a cop-out when I say this, but I can't watch every program. I know that Daniel Garcia has defended the title a handful of times on Dark and Dark Elevation. But if you're going to accept that, you know, everyone is in all these AEW fanboys are upset there's too much Ring of Honor on your show. 
if you want to spotlight a guy who you're spotlighting otherwise as part of you know the Jericho Appreciation Society, Daniel Garcia should have defended his his title at least once, most likely twice, on AEW TV. I know it's not. I know it's not a ring of. I know it's a ring of honor title, and he's not Chris Jericho. But if you really want me to care about this title, you got to show me a title offense on one of your two marquee shows. If he had a title match on Rampage, I don't remember. I apologize. I love Daniel Garcia. I love the work that they're doing. But Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta is going to be awesome. But I don't think that one promo in a joke segment, which kind of went a little bit off the rails last week with Renee Paquette, is enough for the average person to care about a match that they don't even truly understand the rules of. You know, I, I think, not to cut you off, but I think that's where we're getting back to where that Tony needs to improve on. You know, as much as we love Tony, we, you know, we got to criticize him for when he's making mistakes, right? Yeah, he's I mean, the meet and greet, I understand. I hope you told him this nicely when you, when you spoke to him. He's, he's slapping things together without having longer buildups. And this is another example of it. Like, yes, it's going to be a banger, like, you know, a great match. You know, it's going to, it's going to be a, you know, a, a, you know, technical highlight type match. But people like you and I will know that. But to the common AEW fan, you know, or ROH fan, or newly newly become ROH fan because of AEW, they may not see the same value that we're going to see because they didn't see a good buildup whatsoever, like you said. So I think that's where Tony really needs to work on that because he just thinks throwing something at the wall and making it stick, you know, works every time. Mm-hmm. That's a one out of 10 chance. That might be, be nice. That might be one out of 20 chance. He's doing it every time and thinking it's just going to stick. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, and like I said, I'm not saying I'm not interested in the show. I'm very interested. I think a lot of these matches could be great. I'm not sure about the, the boys versus the boys Delta Castle versus the Embassy being great, but, you know, can't, can't win everything. Final two matches on this show, RH World Tag Team title match, which we spoke about quite a bit earlier, double dog collar match and chain. Sorry, I didn't realize it was dog collar and chain. My apologies. FTR versus the Briscoes, or as they were known as Dem Boys. I love the match. I gave you my thoughts earlier. I'm not sure who's winning this match. I mean, can you really have FTR beat the Briscoes three times? Oh, technically four times in one calendar year. I mean, if you have a TV deal and if it's a streaming deal, especially, I could definitely see the Briscoes winning this. I mean, if you're if the, if the TV deal is like on True TV or something, a part of the Turner Family Network of Warner, you know Warner Media, I guess you would say FTR wins. But no, this is where we talked about it before. Uh, we tweet on a, on a prior podcast. I brought up how eventually the AEW belts have to come back around the FTR, and you said that it's tough to do that because how how do you have these guys? you know, carrying other promotions belts around, but then be, you know, uh, an actual contender, you know, to the AEW belts, but then, you know, lose, you know, you know, lose the uh, chance against them or win them, but then, you know, have all the belts so that eventually FTR should probably start losing some of these belts, lose the AAA belts, lose the New Japan you know, ones. So maybe this is where this starts. Maybe this is where 
they dropped the belts to, to the Briscoes. And then eventually, I think they're going to wrestle at a, at a Wrestle Kingdom, correct? Correct. Against the winner of the uh, Tag League, which right. the Aussie Open. So, right. Yeah, so, the story that you just said, I think that could very well happen. I think that they could lose all three of the titles in the next couple of months. Or, you know, I think they could lose the, the, the ROH titles on, on Saturday, lose the uh, New Japan titles on January 4th in a you know, tremendous match. And then, you know, either that causes them to maybe turn heel because they get frustrated. Because, I mean, I think that there's a, I, I, I just don't know how you take the titles off the acclaim right now because they're so hot. But at the same point, I think that the, st- the initial story of them being champions in every promotion was a good one. But I do think the idea of maybe them losing these titles and then, you know, realizing that they missed their opportunity to be the uh, the champions of the the biggest tag team in the world, it refocused them, and then they they finally beat the acclaim, like maybe in at Revolution, and then you then you wind up having the acclaim having a nice six month title run, and if and it doesn't feel like you're just rushing the titles off them, and this was all part of a story. So I mean, I think I think the Briscoes win, but I would not at all be surprised if FTR wins. No, agree. It, it definitely go either way. Um, but I think this is the opportunity, that, like you said, that they could they could drop the belts to Briscoes. And the last match on the card, Chris Jericho versus Claudio. But the stipulation is if Claudio loses, he has to join the JAS. Um, this comes down, I think this all comes down to if it's a streaming deal or a TV deal. If it's a TV deal, I think you have Chris Jericho be the face of your company leading into uh, th- this new this new moment of your of your company. If it's if it's a streaming deal, I think Claudio's a fine face of the company. But but then you know you could say the same idea. The fact do you do the stipulation that of him joining the JAS if you're not going to actually have that happen? I mean, Claudio's beat him by submission. He beat him in a uh, couple times leading up to this. I mean, he did lose. He was the guy who got pinned at um, the November show, full gear. What's your thoughts? Does Jericho hold on to the title, or do we? Claudio get a second ring. I'm so torn on this one. I, I, you can go either way. My gut says it stays on Jericho somehow, just because Jericho's the you know the the lifer, the you know the the argumental goat. But I can see it where Claudio would win, and Claudio would be the new face of of Ring of Honor. Um, but I think I think you made a great point. It's it depends with the TV deal or if it's a streaming deal. Uh, it's sad. It's sad that that's the way they think about it. But I guess that's the way the business works, right? And you got to see how it's going to make the most money, and that's how how these particular talents get the best draw is by what the booker, you know, thinks you know or likes you. So it can go either way for me. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, now, last question on this, and I like I said, what do you close the show with? He closed the show with the FTR versus Briscoe's match, which is going to be a bloodbath. Or do you close it with Jericho versus Claudio? You open it with Jericho and Claudio and you close it with FTR and Briscoe's. Why? Because of the fact that uh, the you already know that FTR and Briscoe's have had matches of the year already and it's been proven. So you that would be your main event, in my opinion. 
Hey, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do. Um, so I went and asked the people in the uh, iHeart Wrestling Facebook group if they would spend forty dollars for this show, and as of right now, we got two answers for it, and I will let you know what they were in a in a moment as my wonderful machine goes and and takes it takes its sweet time. Uh. Drew D. Tolliver said nope. So he was very one-word answer there. Uh, KG Snickerdoodle Higgins, which if your name is Snickerdoodle Higgins, you may want to ask your parents, you know, wh wh where things went. Uh, 40 is the most I would pay for, the, for this. But if you ask me, I'll say 30. I don't think he fully understood the assignment. Not really that the show costs $40, but uh, all right. So that's so it's one and one. Uh, we've got the admin for the iHeart uh, Wrestling show. And the reason why I said that, because it comes up saying admin when uh, you write something. Uh, it's Miller wrote, should be, shouldn't be priced the same as AW pay-per-views, but I want to see it. So hands up with shame, laugh out loud. So I don't think he realized that the AEW shows are $60. But um, so we got one note and we got, in a way, two yeses. So that's going to be interesting to see uh, how many people go and purchase the show and what people think. I think it's a great show on paper. I do agree with uh, Snickerdoodle over there saying that this this show should mostly be thirty bucks. I think AEW do the fact that it's the bigger product should most. I don't know if it should be double the price, but I do think that the show would be a lot lot easier to uh, to swallow if you didn't have full gear basically less than a month ago, you know? So, I mean, it's going to be a great test to see how many buys it gets and see, you know, what comes out on this show. If we have, you know, new champions, if Chris Jericho moves on to something else, I mean, I'm super interested in the show. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. I mean, I really wanted to watch, you know, Navy versus army, which I watch every year, but, uh, I'm doing a podcast, and I'm pretty sure that I'm, if I don't watch it then, I may not get a chance to watch it before the actual uh, next time we, we do the show. So, uh, Harry, what, what's your interest level in the show, 1 to 10? I usually ask you that. I know that for the deadline show, you really don't have an interest level because you haven't been following the product as closely as of late. But ROH, you're an AEW guy. You're an ROH guy first. Has a, has AEW done – has Tony Khan's – aw done enough to get to, for your interest level yes you're gonna i know you're gonna buy the show but what's your interest level one to ten on this show nine wow okay but that's okay. because of that's because of the briscoes and ftr and and uh you know uh jericho and uh claudia very cool i'm glad that uh we were able to go and work that one out. Uh, so every week we end on a fun little thing that I can go and say, uh, so let's see what you think. So uh, earlier this week, we got the uh, PWI top 100 tag teams for 2022, which basically I think just like the other ones goes from, I guess, September to September. So I'm sure you already know who was the, uh, the number one on the list, it was the uh, the Usos. Yeah. Uh, what was your what was your thoughts? I think you know my thoughts on this situation. 
because I usually don't say much, but I think I was slightly vocal when it came to this. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Usos being one? I mean, I'm not saying that they don't belong in the top two or three, but they're not above FTR. I'm not saying I'm not saying she's a gold digger, but she's not messing with no broke beep. No, uh, yes. What do you uh? Yeah, so no, you it, you it, thought it, that FDR should have been one, right? Correct. And I heard someone someone had a podcast going on TikTok, and I happened to catch it for about five minutes, and they were saying they're a huge FTR supporter and they love FTR. FTR is the best tag team in the world, but if you go by statistics, the Usos have a better record and have more matches so they deserve to be number one and that is absolute crap to me uh, i go by quality of matches and i go by you know the art of it in my personal opinion i don't think the usos can touch ftr so i i think but you gotta consider the source yeah and like i said it's a it's a magazine that was made to go and promote professional wrestling it's, it's it's a story driven a lot of times magazine so i mean i totally uh totally respect you know the point of view in regards to you know what what the what the uh the general goal is, is to get people interested about wrestling so it makes people talk but so quickly um i totally agree i think ftr is the should have been the tag team of the year i think i think they very well you could say ftr is the tag team of the of the decade i mean if you want to say the Young Bucks, I, I couldn't disagree with you, but I think it's super close. I mean, do I think the Usos are by far the best tag team in, in the WWE or NXT? Absolutely. Do I think that, you know, next year, based on some of the feuds they might have, you know, could they get up there? Sure. Do I, I, do I think that some of this is based on, once again, the, the magazine honoring them for being, you know, the longest reigning WWE champions. I think that's part of, I think that's why they're one. I think it's absolutely the reason why they're one. Uh, so number two, we'll go over a couple of these just quickly. FTR was number two. The Briscoes was number three. Uh, Death Triangle was number four. Uh, Fuka, I can't pronounce this. Double Cross uh, from Stardom was number five. It's always great to see a female tag team get respect a couple of years ago. You had Bailey and Sasha Banks, who's been named, I guess, 3,000 times in this podcast this week. She's a new she's a new uh, CM Punk, apparently. Um, you had RK Bro, had a very good year. Uh, the Good Brothers, the Young, Bro Young Bucks at eight. The Hex, Allison Kay, and Marty Bell from NWA, apparently had a very good year. And Violence is Forever, Kevin Koo and Dominic uh, Garini, who, if you watch MLW, I don't know if they're both still there, but... They were part of Team Filthy with uh, Tom Lawler uh, for the last couple of years. I think they're an excellent tag team. And uh, we'll go over like one or two more. 11 was Aussie Open, who I think is may, could at one point become the best tag team in the world. United Empire, Jeff Cobb, and Great O'Conn. 13 was the Street Profits. 14, Toxic Attraction. Okay. Uh, let's see. You had the NWA World Champions at 17, La, Re La Rebellion. 18, Swerve in Our Glory. 19, Sasha and Naomi. And the uh, AEW Tag Team Champions at 20 current ones, uh, the acclaimed, Matt Caster and Anthony Bones. A lot of good wow. tag teams. 
the reason why I could, I totally understand why the acclaimed are at 20 because they really went and the best matches they had were kind of at the last like two or three, like two months of the, uh, the period, the time period for this. Right. And I think next year they might, they should def, they'll definitely, I think will crack the top 10, maybe in top five. So I'm not saying that's, you know, a bad thing by any stretch, but, um, I think it's an interesting list. I think FTR is by far the best tag team in the world. There are people who will disagree just on the simple fact that two million people, two million people a week watch SmackDown, and the high rating that AW has got is like a one point four. So I mean, when you're consistently getting on Big Fox two or three million people, more people know who you are, and I guess that factors in. But you know, it's a fun list. Not going to kill anybody for liking one over the other. And it's, and I, I think that the general statement is here this is a great time for, for tag team wrestling. Maybe it's not the, the best of times in, uh, in NXT slash WWE, but AW, New Japan, AAA, NWA, um, MLW, all these places were getting super high levels tag team wrestling. And that's all you could hope for, you know? So, I mean, we may not agree with what the list said at the end of the day, but it's great to see that the tag team wrestling is being honored and spoken about in a much higher light than it has in the past. And at least like the last like decade or so. Uh, Harry, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at the list. Sorry. I just, am I, am I, am I out of pocket to think that uh, the Briscoe should be above uh, the Usos? Like I'm not saying oh, no. Usos are not talented, but I just kind of feel the spoon fed. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's me being a biased mark. I, I don't know. I just, I'm not saying the Usos aren't, you know, good or great, but I mean, <laughs> again, you know, if FTR is in that conversation, Briscoe's got them there, right? Like Briscoe's had some phenomenal matches with them. Uh, sure. so, so there should be one and two and Usos at three. Uh, but I mean, the only thing you could say is, I mean, yes, the, the, uh, the Briscoe's had two of the best matches of the year with the FTR. And they did have a, a run with the GCW and the Impact Championships. But how many people are regularly watching Impact or GCW before the uh, the, the Fight TV uh, Plus, you know, thing? Which, they weren't. Right, they weren't. So, I mean, you know, if you honestly could say the Briscoes had two matches that anybody knows about this year. And maybe if you want to say a third one against, I think, I think it was earlier, it qualified for this year, the Kingdom. But besides that... You know, it's it's got it's part of it's you know the amount of matches you have and everything else. So I mean, if you're just saying who the best tag teams are, not the best tag teams of that particular year. Oh, absolutely! I think if the the top four tag teams of the last decade or more are FTR, the Briscoes, the Young Bucks, and the Usos. You could pick the order that you want. If you want to throw in the New Day or the dangerous techers possibly from new Japan. That's fine. But you're, t I would say most people would agree your top four to and, and that's no disrespect against, you know, the Lucha brothers, your top four tag teams of the last decade. Plus I'll say this one more time before we head out of here are in any order, FTR Briscoe's young bucks and the Usos. And we all had hoped at one point that if the Usos contract expired, that they would go over there, go to AEW. And you'd even see, you know, those great matches as well. But um, 
We covered a lot of great stuff this week. We we were able to get a Harry rant. I wasn't able to get out of my chains as a result of it. It wasn't long enough for me to figure out a way to escape. Because, you know, hopefully if I say once again that everyone check out the Wrestling Purist Facebook page, I might get, you know, time off for good behavior. Um, but Harry, another great week of wrestling, another great week of storytelling, some good, some bad, but I think mostly good. I mean, in future weeks, we'll get a chance to maybe talk about the Miro situation with Fightful saying that he's fully cleared, but they, at this point, creative has nothing for him, which is not a good sign. Terrible sign. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see what, what happens. I don't want to rush to judgment. I mean, we got, you know, House of Black back. They're actually going to wrestle next week. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. I think wrestling's in a good place. I'm glad to see that we're getting some more information on Sasha Banks and what she might be doing in the new year. And we'll continue to cover that stuff. But uh, once again, be sure to check out iHeart Wrestling Facebook uh, page, the Wrestling Life Facebook page, which we don't talk about as much on this on this podcast, but some good people there as well. And of course, the Wrestling Purist Facebook page that Harry runs. And, you know, if you want to take some a uh, nice little listen back on some uh, two best friends talking about wrestling, one guy carrying the other to uh, hopefully a really successful almost 300 episodes, you can check out me and Jason Brooks' uh, past episodes of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts where you, I guess you're listening right now. Uh, then also check out from the FamDoom Network, You Don't Know Jackie TV Podcast and the You Don't Know Jackie Podcast as well, where we talk about some of the great TV shows, especially we found out this week, turning at the end of March, season two of Yellow Jack, of Yellow Jack is coming back, which we will talk about. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be other shows in the pipeline that we'll talk about as things go along. And uh, as always, Harry, the final word is yours. Besides saying how great I am that, you know, ROH has a pay-per-view this weekend. I can't wait for the ROH pay-per-view. Let's go, Briscoes. Boom. <laughs>